It's Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA, Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA, and the Edge of Philly Sports Network. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Phillies made the managerial change firing Joe Girardi, replacing him with Rob Thompson. That's worked out pretty well so far. The Flyers still haven't pulled the trigger on a head coach. Who knows what's going on there? It makes you think uh, maybe their coach is still playing in the playoffs. Hmm. The Eagles OTAs are bringing out a lot of positive comments on Jalen Hurts. So uh, we're also going to talk some about the Sixers as well. And Father's Day is coming up this Sunday. I know it's one of your favorite holidays. As always, plenty to talk about on the Philly sports scene. Bill, Father's Day is actually not till the 19th, but we are going to talk about it tonight and give people some advance notice. And oh, I'm going to help you know why? You know what? This Sunday's my anniversary. <laughs> That's right. I knew there was something. You should know that, man. You should know that. All right. The Girardi dismissal and then the weekend sweep of the Angels got Phillies fans a bit excited again. Then they go into Milwaukee last night and win in dramatic fashion for the second straight game. That was great. The rookies coming through. Um, five straight wins for the Phil. So, yeah, we're, we'll talk about them as well. And we have lots of good things uh, as far as uh, the Eagles OTAs. News coming out of there. Jalen Hurts looking good so far. Of course, no defense is in his face just yet. But, hey, we'll take what we can get. If you're counting, Bill, the regular season opener now 95 days away. I'm counting. <laughs> I know you're counting. Well, hey, we've got two great guests tonight in Bucks County, Courier Times, Tom Moore in the first half, and legendary broadcaster, PA man, Dan Baker in the second half of the show. Yeah, we do indeed. Great to have Dan back with us for the first time in a couple of years, and it is always nice to talk to Tom Moore. Tom is excited about being the opening act for Dan Baker, so let's get him on. Well, let's do it. Let's welcome Tom Moore back to Philly Press Box Radio. Tom, welcome back. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the second half. Everybody would leave, you know, after <laughs> Dan. How can you follow him? So thank goodness yeah. that I'm the uh, I'm the warm-up act. <laughs> Dan is pretty awesome. All right, so are you, Tom. You're okay, too, man. I uh, hope you're having a nice spring and early, well, soon-to-be summer. And it is the off-season for both the Eagles and the 76ers. And I think the great majority of fans right now feel this way. A lot of optimism about the Eagles, but a high degree of pessimism or at least skepticism about what's going on with the direction of the 76ers. Is that what you're sensing from people you talk to and are fans right to feel that way? Yeah, I mean, I think the the Eagles with, you know, coming off last year where, you know, I, I did not expect nine and eight. I thought maybe seven and 10, six and 11 um, and, you know, making the playoffs and seemingly a favorable schedule this year. And, yeah. you know, they, they added some players to their roster that should be able to have impact on both sides of the ball. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand that. And then with the Sixers, you know, like, how do you change the roster? You can't, it's going to be tough to change Tobias Harris. What happens with James Harden? How, you know, how do you add another star? You know, so I, I think it's kind of, I think people think like this is going to be jet pretty much the team they're going to have with a tweaker here or there. And it's going to be, you know, development of Maxi and Paul Reed and things like that, that are going to determine if this team can get past the second round for the first time since 2001. Yeah. 
Well, Tom, let's start Eagles. Let's talk about the Eagles. Let's get your take on the draft, uh, the A.J. Brown trade, and, and everything that went into that, and, and Hassan Reddick to go with it. Uh, seems like a lot of upgrades, as you say, on both sides of the football for the birds. Yeah, the, the receiver position, you know, let's let's be honest, was was not a strength of this team, you know, at all. And to have a number one receiver, um, you know, should really benefit Devontae Smith. It takes a lot of pressure off of him. Um, and a guy that will command double teams um, where, you know, whereas before, I mean, Jalen Rager, you know, Arthago Whiteside, you know, the, you know, Greg Ward, you know, th these are not, these are complimentary players. You need studs and AJ Brown is a stud and has a, you know, prior, prior relationship with Jalen Hurts. They're familiar with each other, friends, they work out together. That can, that can only be good things. And, and Reddick, no question about it. Um, you know, they need more impact players to draft, you know, addressing the defensive line, addressing the center position seemingly, you know. And, again, you know, again, it's always hard to say because guys come into the league and this guy was second-round talent. We got him in the fourth round, and you hear that all the time. And, you know, who knows? But certainly, uh, you know, based on projections and, and, and things like that, it certainly seems like they address some of their glaring needs, Um you know, in April and May. Tom, Tom, I don't know if you've been to OTAs at all, but we're hearing a lot of good things about uh, particularly Jalen Hurts, that he's more crisp with his passing, his accuracy is good, his fundamentals seem to be good. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, I was at Martin Frank is our, you know, is our Eagles writer and he, you know, they've been live tweeting and he's talking about that. What a great deep ball he threw here. And, you know, he's accurate at a 30 yarder there and everything. It sounds like he's, you know, getting, uh, just becoming more confident, um, which is what, you know, he needs to be, you know, he, he did not, you know, let's be honest. He did not have a good game in that playoff loss to the Buccaneers. He did not throw the ball. Well, he did not seem confident, um, you know, for them to be successful, he's going to have to make plays and not with, not just with his legs. He's going to have to get the ball, you know, to the receivers, um, uh, down the field, um, and it certainly seems like he's taken a step in in that direction. Although, uh, the you know, the, the great Ray Dinger, I sat with him at uh, rookie camp, when, excuse me, uh, training camp when Matt Barkley was a rookie. And I thought, wow, you know, how good this guy looks. And he was saying, well, he, you know, he, he can't throw the ball beyond 25 yards. And he was telling me, he was just saying all these things that totally were, were just completely true and why Barkley never really became a starter in the league. So I, I take what happens a little bit in OTAs and training camp with a grain of salt when you're not going 11 on 11 live. It's not the same thing. You know, right. it's like mini golf versus, uh, you know, Tory Pines or something. <laughs> it's not quite the same thing. Right. Well, hey, Tom, I think uh, we, we've talked about this with a couple of the guests that we've had since the draft. Uh, I'm a big offensive line guy. I think this offensive line is is really, really good. Uh, the Eagles proved last year in order to win, they needed to run the ball. Now maybe not so much with all the weapons they've added, but do you see this as still a run-first team and Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts with chances of having a big year on the ground? Yeah, I think it's going to be more of a 50-50 mix is my sense because of the straight. I think, I think they almost had to run the ball last year because – they didn't want to put too much on Jalen Hurts' plate. But the combination of having a legitimate number one receiver 
and Hurts with another year, and he'll be essentially, you know, what is he started like 16 or whatever the number is. He started uh, the last four games the previous year and, you know, 20 games or whatever he started. You know, now, you, you, you know, you should start seeing him, um, you know, progress and be able to put more on his plate. And if he's going to be the guy, he should be able to handle it. So I think that'll tell you if there's still a consistent run first team, it probably means that they, you know, maybe he's not quite ready yet with, with this skill set and with the players they have, they should be throwing the ball more than they did last year. Last year, I understand it. You needed to control the ball. You, you need, you know, you, you didn't have the receivers to get open. You, you, most of the patterns were 15, 20 yards. The defenses had eight guys in the box. Now you can spread the ball. You can throw the ball down the field. You should be able to open things up a little bit. Hey, Tom, we learned some interesting news the other day that uh, offensive coordinator Shane Steichen called the majority of the plays in the second half of last season and will be the primary play caller again this fall. Was that one of the reasons the team looked so much better coming down the stretch last year? It, you know, it's possible it might have been. I always thought even though, even if the, the head coach is essentially the offensive coordinator, they just have so much on their plate. It's just so yeah. difficult, you know. Excuse me. Whew. I was just mowing and uh, the pollen and everything. <laughs> yeah, and smokes. But yeah, it's just a lot to put on the head coach. The head coach is responsible. You, you know, are we going to go for it on fourth and two at the at midfield? And you and you're calling the plays. And I, I just th I think having the offensive coordinator call the plays and have the head coach giving input is a better way to do it. If he sees something or wants something, you know, he can kind of chime in. I think I think that is. Uh, the best way really for all concerned to do. And I, and I think, I, I think that does explain some of the changes. And I, I think that he, you know, he was able to kind of hone in on some things that maybe the head coach couldn't because he has so much to worry about. Well, Tom, I think it's easy to, to look at the offense with adding AJ Brown, but the defense, they made some, uh, a lot of really solid moves. If these, if these draft picks work out, uh, they strengthened the front seven on both levels. They've now strengthened the corner cornerback position. This defense has a chance to maybe be pretty good. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, you actually might have uh, you know some playmakers, um, and you have the theoretically the heir apparent you know to Fletcher Cox if this is his last year, which it sounds like it, it you know it could be. Yeah, Davis. I mean, his numbers are it, it's like a video game at that size to be that quick. Um, it, you know, and that strong, it, it almost doesn't seem like it's real. Um, and you know, he's going to play a lot, if not start, he's certainly going to be in the, you know, in the mix and get a lot of reps and that's what you need to do you, in this day and age. You can't play, uh, 11 or 12 or 13 guys on defense. You know, you need to have about 18 guys in the mix and you got to rotate the D line. Maybe every third series, you put an, a couple other guys in there, rotate the tackles, or you know, one of the ends or whatever to keep them fresh. Because um, uh, teams run the hurry up. I mean, there's so much going on that you know they, they, you know, you need to have fresh guys. And you, you know, sometimes you're better with a, your stud out there at 80 percent versus your backup. But sometimes they're not 80 percent if they're too worn down, and you, you, you know. That's what you got to be ready for. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of things really to look for and to, you know, to be encouraged by. Yep. 
yeah, we want to see Nicobe Dean, see how much he can play as a rookie at linebacker. Uh, Bradbury now in the secondary. Um, I want to switch it over to the Sixers, Tom, but before I do, let me ask you, uh, I know it's only June, but do you think the Eagles are now the favorite to win the NFC East? I mean, I would say, how about I'll say the co-favorite, let's say, you know, with them and the, and the Cowboys. I think they have a favorable schedule with the Cowboys. And I'm not sure, you know, the Cowboys certainly didn't improve as much as the Eagles did, but the Cowboys were better than the Eagles beforehand. So, you know, I, I think I, I think it's, you know, I think it's interesting. And I think those two games will be a lot of fun. All right, first question about the Sixers. What the heck is going to happen with James Harden? We assume he is going to, uh, you know, re-up for himself, $47 million. Heck, I would. Uh, is it going to be a one-year thing? Are they going to try to move on from him? What is going to happen with Harden? Yeah, it. The I think it's June 29th. I think he has to do it by June 30th. So June 29th, he's got to decide um, to take the $47.4 million player option or, you know, negotiate. Uh, he could negotiate. He could opt out and negotiate a two-year deal or, or something like that. Um, the problem is if he if he uh, takes the $47 million, between him, Harrison, and Bede, you have $118 million committed to three guys next year. And the luxury tax number is about $150 million. Um, so you have $32 million, essentially, for 12 guys. And, you know, Cork Moss is $5 million. Uh, Fibel's $4 million. Uh, Yang is three point five. I mean, it adds up quick. So, yeah, I, I mean... They might be willing to give him a second year if he would come down in the number, something like that. I mean, I, it's not an ideal situation, obviously. And in two years, you know, they're going to have, have to give Maxi a lot of money. So ideally, you'd kind of be done with Harden when Maxi becomes a max guy or close to a max salary guy. It, it, yeah, it's, it is not ideal, um, the situation that they're in. If theoretically he could walk away, but now you've given up two first round picks, uh, you know, two serviceable players who are admittedly free agents now. But I mean, uh, they certainly could have used uh, Andre Drummond sure. as the starting center in games one and two against Miami with him beat out. He would have been a lot better than, uh, you know, Paul Millsap and uh, DeAndre Jordan. I mean, uh, and they miss Curry shooting. Um, yep. So they're kind of in a tough spot. Um, you know, Maury kind of hits his wagon. This is what he wanted. The guy's going to be 33 in August, and he looks like he's age, aging in dog years. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, he, I think he's going to be back one way or another next year, whether it's only for one more year, whether they're willing to give him a couple years if he takes slightly less money, which will give him a little bit more, you know, maneuverability. Um to, to use one of these a uh, uh, mid-level exception to add some talent. I mean, they need a starting wing, and they need to bolster their bench, and they don't have a lot of ways to do it other than um, minimum contracts, trades, and as I said, the mid-level exception, which is either $6.3 million or $10.4 million, depending where they are with the luxury tax. So, you know, four out of the last five years, they lost in the second round of the playoffs, including yep. with the top seed two years ago. So, yep. you know, it's not going to – you know, this is the gravy train's not going to go on forever. Um, and Embiid, you know, is 28 and is a great, great player, but seven foot, 295 pounds, there are no guarantees, you know, how long it's going to last. So, 
Um, they need to get it. Daryl Morton needs to get it done and needs to get it done, you know, soon or, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Hey, Tom, Chet probably has this clip right there at his fingertips because it's one of his favorites. Uh, Chet, you know what I'm talking about? You want to just throw it up there? Yeah, we're, we're talking about the coach and how good a coach he is. I think I do a, a terrific job. I think I do a, a terrific job, a terrific job, a terrific job, a terrific job. Tom, what, <laughs> what, do you what think, kind Tom? of terrific job do you think Glenn Rivers does? By the way, we don't call him by his – I don't call him by his nickname on this show because there's only one doc in Philly, and it ain't him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm – I'm surprised he didn't strain his shoulder, or his arm, pat himself on the back on there. Yeah, I don't know what the deal was with with uh, Rivers this year. I really don't. He was such a contrarian, and anytime anybody questioned anything, like he took it personally, and I, I did not understand it. Whether it was Paul Reed, you know, and, and and it was things that I did not did not seem to me to be. You know, well, I would ask him about like the rotation and he didn't like that. Like, are you going to go nine deep with your rotation? And he's like, well, the players determine who's going to play. Well, he's not going to play 13 guys and he's not going to play six guys. It's going to be eight guys, nine guys, 10 guys. You know what I mean? And for some reason that annoyed him. Um, but that not as much as some of the other stuff. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the deal was. I don't know. He reminded me a little bit of Doug Collins. Doug Collins, it was always when it was the players, it was always them when it wasn't going well. When he was the coach, it was them. They didn't do this. I never got booed here. I ran out of my shoes here. It's them. Well, it's it's, it's all one group. It's first person plural. It's we. You know, I yeah, I, I don't know what the deal was with Rivers this year. I really don't. And he wasn't like that maybe a little bit the year before. And, and Simmons was gone. So most of it wasn't about Ben Simmons anymore, where he was bending over backwards to defend you know, Simmons um, in 2021. I, I I don't know what the deal was, but I mean, all I can say is like he and Howard Eskin three times kind of got into it and the public supported Howard Eskin three times. <laughs> yeah. So if, if, if you and Howard Eskin and they're choosing, you know, they're not choosing you uh, and, you know, Howard is, uh, you know, I won't say reviled, but the fans like to get on him. Let's put it that oh, way. Yeah. So if they're taking his side over you, Perhaps you should rethink your strategy. Well, we are almost out of time, Tom, but uh, you wrote an interesting piece today about the Sixers maybe going after O.J. Anunoby from the Raptors. They definitely got to do something in the offseason. It's going to be interesting, but I got to get this in here. Somebody tells me you do a great Brett Brown impression. Give us a little Brett Brown, Tom. I don't know about great, but the key is (laughs) – it's the Australian accent, Boston and Australia. So let's see here. Um, that's a fair question, Tom. <laughs> that's about all I got. I, yeah, that's I pretty good, though. That's pretty good. <laughs> I try. I mean, I heard it so many times that it's sort of ingrained. I can't replicate it. There's other guys that do it better than me, but that is Brett, who I enjoyed for his, whatever, six or seven years here. I can't believe it. He was here, he was here longer than Larry Brown. Yeah, hard to believe. Well, Tom, we're going to let you off the hook since it's only June, and I'm sure we're going to have you on before uh, football season. So we'll get a prediction right. from you then. We won't get a June prediction from you, but overall, off season, you got a grade for uh, Howie Roseman and the crew on their addition subtraction so far. Yeah, I'd say like an A minus. Let's say, and it's still probably need. I think they're still short of safety. They need to add a safety. 
but they, they've upgraded and addressed some of the areas, you know, uh, you know, some of the areas where they really needed to. So yeah, the, you know, that that's about right. It's between a B and an A plus all the different people. So um, maybe I'm a tough grader, but I'll, I'll say a minus. Sounds good. Good deal. Well, Tom, right, gentlemen, thanks for having me. We appreciate it as always. Uh, let's do it again and uh, go birds. Thank you. Take care. Have a great summer, right. Tom. We'll see you. You too, guys. All right. Hey, Chet, <laughs> we keep talking about gas prices. They keep going up. Traveling is going down. Uh, unfortunately, there's a really good chance this summer your couch is going to get more mileage than your car. So it's time to start saving with Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance. Bill, Allstate's Pay-Go Auto Insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent. In Westchester, Pennsylvania, you know who it is. It is Dave Lavoie. Call Dave, 610 430 0700 once again 610 430 0700 and start to save more now that you are driving less hey everybody it's willie nile here and you're listening to chet and bill on silly press box radio you lucky people well hey chet speaking of willie we got w willie replacing ray here tonight uh it was his birthday this week you got to see him live in concert as well yeah, I did. Always great to see Willie. Um, 24th time, by the way. I've seen Willie 24th time, if you can believe that. This time at Summerfest 22 in Woodbridge, New Jersey, capping off a great day of music. That also included tribute bands who covered Skinner, Springsteen, and David Bowie, culminating with a killer 90-minute set by Willie and his awesome band. I was going to put up a picture here, but I can't find it. I don't know what I did with it. But uh, I had a nice chat with Willie before the show. Uh, we were talking mostly about his previous weekend when he opened for The Who up in the, the Woodstock area, Bethel, New York. He said that uh, Roger and Pete and uh, The Who crew took great care of him and the band, and it was a blast. They were well-received, so that was good to hear. And I, of course, wished Willie a happy birthday. He turned yesterday, believe it or not, 74, and uh, he looks great and is still hopping around the stage. And I asked him about his dad. Yes, his dad is still alive and doing well at age 104 i kid you not wow i told willie that he and his dad are probably just going to live forever the way it's going now and by the way bill i don't know if you're going to be around this summer i know you're going to be up in the area quite a bit willie is playing the wonder barn asbury park on july 3rd i think i may have to go back and see willie yet again hmm interesting all right hey and uh just because i see my man john roberts is on we can't forget chat that there's another music birthday Boss Skaggs today is 78. So, hey, you're not the only one that knows music, pal. And you saw Boz opening for who, Bill? The Eagles. Yeah. The Eagles back 1975, 76, somewhere around there at the Spectrum back in the day. And nobody knew who Boss Skaggs was, but the Eagles were on the scene. It was before Hotel California, though. Okay, there you go. Uh, and speaking of birthdays, you know who else is having a birthday today? Nancy Sinatra is 82. I wonder if she still has the boots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're made for walking, Bill. I hear you. Boy, <laughs> Chet, while we're talking about getting out and having some fun, tell us what's going on over at the Irish Rover Station House. 
you know, there's always something happening at the Irish Rover, Bill. And this weekend, Thursday through Sunday, their dinner specials include chimichurri salmon salad and chicken Madeira. They have chef-created killer burgers every Thursday. And I keep telling you about this. It's coming up soon. Mark your calendar for Sunday, June 19th. Yes, that is Father's Day this year, Bill. June 19th, that is when they will have the Irish Rover's annual car show, the return of the legendary Irish Rover Father's Day car show, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on the 19th. Some cool cars and a lot of fun. It all happens at the Irish Rover on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Find out all you need to know right on their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. Excellent. Well, hey, Chet, we had a chance to visit with the PA voice of the Phillies, Dan Baker, last night. Uh, we had to record it because of uh, scheduling, but I'll tell you what, it was a gem. Yeah, boy, was it ever. Uh, here's the deal. Dan wasn't available to join us this evening, as you said, so we did tape it. And we told him we would keep it to about 15 minutes because we know he's a busy guy. Well, we ended up talking for about 33, 35 minutes. And, <laughs> and could have talked stuff. for another 33 oh or 35. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So what we decided to do, since I only had one guest booked or planned for next week, we're going to give you part two of Dan next week. But we're going to give you about, I don't know, 14 minutes or so of Dan tonight right here. So let's get it going uh, with the man himself. Let's get to it, and let's welcome the legendary broadcaster, PA announcer from all of Philadelphia sports, the legendary Dan Baker. Dan, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Hi, Bill. and Hi, Jim. Chet, uh, it's great to be with you. Dan, great to see you again. Uh, hey, we have to mention this. The last time we had you on, it was back in July of 2020, and it was just a day or two before the pandemic-delayed start of that shortened MLB season. You were scheduled to be behind the mic for what would have been your 49th season at that time, yeah. but it didn't happen. Now, for fans who don't know the story, what has happened to you to prevent you from working at all that summer, although you are back now, which is great? Mm -hmm. uh, well, um, I had uh, an infection in my mouth uh, that began in the 2000. Um, 19 maybe even 2018 and it was uh kind of like an abscess uh next to my last molar on the right side and um between periodontists uh dentists periodontists endodontists uh, they did their best uh to try to address the problem uh but uh they they lanced it and all this bad stuff came out and uh, Unfortunately, uh, it wasn't the kind of a problem that could be handled in a, in a dentist's office. And eventually, after a lot of diagnostics, PET scans, CAT scans, MRIs, the uh, good doctors at Jefferson determined that the, uh, there was a malignancy there that, that had to be removed. And uh, so, uh, uh, Chet, as you uh, uh described in, in the summer of the pandemic shortened season uh 2020 uh, they uh, brought me in and uh, uh the diagnostics helped them learn that there was this five and a half centimeter tumor in my cheek it obviously had to come out and so they uh, removed uh, the tumor it was a 24-hour surgery which was the uh, the longest surgical procedure at Jefferson in five years. 
they replaced uh, the bone and tissue and blood vessels by transplanting bone and tissue and blood vessels from my leg. Uh, but uh, I'm here. So uh, anyway, uh, I, I am very, very grateful for the wonderful care I've been given by the Jefferson doctors and nurses, staff, and um, I was able to uh, return to the ballpark last year, uh, 2021, and uh, announced every single Phillies home game in 2021, uh, as I have announced so far every single home game in 2022. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm so thankful for the Phillies' support and encouragement. I feel strong, and uh, I think I can, can go for uh, a number of years to come. Well, Dan, I have to say, uh, man, what a story. First of all, thank goodness that you are healthy. Uh, second of all, it's a it's a bonus for us that you're back in the booth after going through that. So uh, as, a, as a fan that, you know, enjoys the game, enjoys going to the game, uh, wow, well, we, we sure appreciate having you uh, be part of what's going on at Citizens Bank Park with the Phillies. Oh, thank you, Bill and Chad. Uh, I mean, it's such an honor for me. And, uh, you know, growing up uh, a Phillies fan, uh, as I think both of you did, right? Phillies mm -hmm. oh, yeah. fans growing up. Well, I can remember going to Connie Mack Stadium as a kid. Went there for the first time with my dad, Ed Baker of Mount Ephraim, New Jersey, and uh, my brother Rick. And we sat all over at Connie Mack Stadium. Usually not in the best seats. So we couldn't afford <laughs> right. the better seats. Usually, you know... Uh, we, we were uh, uh, rarely were we in the bleachers, but we were usually in the upper deck and right field or left field or maybe even behind home plate. But to see all that green grass and that big Ballantyne scoreboard in right center field and the big right field fence 40 feet high, you know, all the way across, except for the scoreboard. Oh, my gosh. Did, and I fall in love with Phillies baseball there. And, you know, the sights and the sounds, the smells of the ballpark. Uh, you know, I, as a young kid, I had dreams of me playing there. Oh, my gosh, wearing Phillies pinstripes? Man, oh, man. Of course, I wasn't. I was a pretty good baseball player, but I wasn't good enough to play professional baseball, major league yeah. baseball. You played at Audubon High School, if I remember that correctly. I and. I played one year. I, I played a, a freshman JV ball. I was a starting shortstop as a freshman there. Hey, uh, let me take you back to 1972, your first year behind the mic. It was certainly yeah. a memorable year. The team wasn't very good, but it was Greg Lozinski's first full season as a Philly. Mike Schmidt arrived as a, you know, a, a cameo appearance yeah. in September. And there was a certain left-hander who was in the rotation for the first time who made us all want to watch him every fourth day. So I guess that was the highlight for you watching lefty. Number 32, Steve Carlton. Yes. Lefty and I came to started the same year, yeah. 1972. Yeah. 27 and 10, yep. you know, led the league and earned run average. I think it was like 198. Uh, my gosh, you know, I think he had something like 31 complete games or my goodness, I was uh, lucky again, Chet and Bill, to be uh, part of a Phillies organization that was uh, growing. Uh, they had some great drafts, you know, with uh, Paul Owens and uh, 
Dallas Green uh, running uh, the minor leagues. And uh, as you mentioned, Chet, Mike Schmidt, and Greg Luzinski, Larry Boa, Denny Doyle, and uh, you know, veteran presence, Darren, Darren Johnson and uh, Joe Horner, Dick Selma. Yep. Of course, uh, Jim Bunning uh, was actually there and, and was the Phillies' first game starter at, um, at uh, Veteran Stadium. And uh, uh, there were still some pretty good ball players, although the Phillies' record in the early 70s uh, wasn't anything to write home about. But they were growing and building, and these young players were developing. And, of course, they won the NL East in 1976, 1977, 1978, lost the NLCS to the Big Red Machine, the Cincinnati Reds in 76, and to the Los Angeles Dodgers in 77 and 78, before acquiring Pete Rose in 1979. And then, of course, uh, uh, beating the Houston Astros to win the 1980 National League Championship Series and defeat the Kansas City Royals to win the Phillies' first ever World Series championship. And boy, was that exciting. Well, Dan, I want to turn to back the clock on you too because many people might have forgotten this or maybe never knew it you were the voice of the big five uh at the palestra for many years my favorite place by the way uh oh. my first job ever is a high schooler was as an usher at the palestra uh so oh, that's it's, it's near and dear to my heart me too uh, as a matter of fact uh sitting over in the I, i'm i'm speaking to you from my den <clears throat> which is a converted bedroom on, on the second floor of our home in West Stafford, New Jersey. I have a, a big five banner over my shoulder. Uh, I have uh, a couple of uh, palestra seats, you know, with just the, the flat bleacher style yeah, that yeah. Was cut up. And uh, see the big five uh, oh, yeah. uh, banner there? Yep. Uh, and that, that came from the, uh, the big five office where I, served as executive secretary for 15 years. Bill, as you said, I broadcast Big Five basketball from 1977 through 1998. Uh, did both TV and radio, mostly radio. Um, and then uh, broadcast Drexel basketball from 1997 uh, through 2012. The Big Five basketball and Drexel basketball packages overlapped uh, for a year there. Uh, but uh, it, was, uh, it was an honor to broadcast LaSalle, Penn, St. Joe, Temple, and Villanova, as well as Drexel. I, I've been lucky, as you guys know, to, uh, you know, with Phillies PA, Eagles PA for 29 years, Army-Navy football, uh, which I broadcast every Army-Navy game uh, since they moved to Lincoln Financial Field in 2003, which I think is about 13 or 14 games uh and uh so uh i have a resume that spreads through a, a, a number of sports here and i guess if you hang around long enough you know that's what happens dan before we run out of time i gotta ask you about this year's phillies team uh the season hasn't gone the way we were hoping that it would but they made the managerial switch last week they won their first three games under rob thompson over the weekend and here as we speak tuesday night they're riding a four-game winning streak trying to get back in the race uh do you think they can do it now that they've made these changes yeah i don't know if it's you know 
managerial changes can end up succeeding or failing. Uh, and we'll have to wait and see what happens with this. Uh, I'll tell you what, we've had an impressive start. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Rob Thompson is uh, uh, universally admired. Uh, if you uh, maybe you saw uh, what uh, Buck Showalter had to say about him, the Mets manager, and uh, Chris Joe Girardi uh, gave, uh, even as Joe uh, was uh, uh, being dismissed, he was very complimentary of his uh, first lieutenant, uh, you know, Rob Thompson. And, and Rob uh, is respected throughout baseball and uh, very sound fundamentally and, and uh, somebody who's uh, very good with uh, uh, developing young talent. So we'll see what happens. But that was, that was sure an impressive series against the Angels. You know, three big wins three big crowds, great weather, uh, and uh, the games didn't take as long as normal, you know, so, uh, you know, that's nice too. Uh, so, um, I, you know, we, we've got some hitters there. Uh, my gosh, uh, you know, Bryce Harper and uh, Reese Hoskins and Kyle Schwarber and uh, Nick Castellanos and uh, even though he's hurt right now, Gene Segura, and, and unfortunately he's out for 10 to 12 weeks. Yeah. But uh, the Phillies have some hitters there. And the starting pitching has been uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, where we've uh, come up a little short is the bullpen. Uh, but uh, uh, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola and Kyle Gibson and Ranger Suarez uh, and um, Zach Eflin. I mean, those guys have done a pretty good job. You know, that five-man starting rotation, I think, is uh, one of the better ones in the National League. Yeah, this Phillies team managed to get two co two managers fired in four days. That doesn't happen too often, as Joe Madden got uh, booted today in, in Anaheim. So uh, they got Joe Girardi out, then they swept out uh, the Angels and got Joe Madden fired as well. <laughs> you know, it was exciting – we had big crowds. Uh, I think the, the crowds were 28,000 Friday with the Angels, 36,000 Saturday night, and 34,800 Sunday afternoon. Big, enthusiastic crowds. A lot of people from South Jersey, a lot of Mike Drop fans uh, in the audience. But it was, it was really exciting. Well, Jed, that was, that was good stuff. And we can tell for our listeners and viewers that uh, – from 1972 to 2022, there's a whole lot more that we have to cover next week with Dan. Uh, we, as you said, we kind of switched it around to, to get everything in there that we could. Uh, but next week uh, is going to be good. And how, how did you like throwing in the number 32, Steve Carlton? Yeah, he's going to give us a couple of more uh, of those things next week, his announcing skills and uh even a dave zinkoff impression too so for uh, us old guys who remember zinc uh dan will give us some of that so that's something to look forward to next week we'll tell you more about that in a little bit but i don't know if you or anybody else knew this bill but uh at least once a week dan likes to dress up like a star wars jedi master so there's a rare photo of that happening right there there you go well i tell you what chat we we've been fortunate here at, at philly press box radio and doing this in our ninth year that we've been able to have some real Philadelphia sports treasures 
to be part of our show. And uh, Dan Baker is certainly one of those. And uh, what a, what a what a treat to have him back with us uh, this week. Dan Baker and Lou Nolan both in their fiftieth year behind the mic for you know the Phillies and Flyers. That's pretty amazing. We've had Merrill Reese on with us every September, so uh, we get some of the big ones, Bill. We're going to keep on doing that. Yeah, Ray Diddy, Dick Vermeil, now a Hall of Famer. We've we've had we've had a load of them. We're going we're going to get some more. So yeah, uh, great great stuff. And uh, speaking of great stuff, Chad, oh, how about those? Speaking Phillies? of wait, before before we get to the Phillies again, I, I found the picture that I was going to show. I took about. 100 pictures on Saturday night, and here was one. I was right on the corner of the stage, and that's Willie Nile and his bandmates, Jimmy K. Bones and the great Johnny Paisano. And, uh, boy, what a night that was. And perfect weather the entire weekend, so we had a lot of fun. Thank you, Willie. Yes, absolutely. Now let's talk Phillies, Chet. Uh, how about it? They're they're playing good ball, a uh, different hero each night. The youngsters uh, stepping up and and – winning that game last night with a couple long balls late in the game. Uh, Stott winning the game the night before with a home run. Uh, Brogdon coming in in, in the in the eighth inning last night with solid relief work again. Yeah. Youngsters getting it done. Yeah, and then Matt Veerling, who had just been called up and is also considered a rookie, uh, hitting the what turned out to be the game-winning home run in the ninth off Hader, the best closer in baseball. So back-to-back games, a rookie wins the game with a home run, something that uh, I think it was Todd Zalecki said hasn't happened since maybe the early 1900s or ever. So that was nice to see. And the Phils are now just still three and a half games out of that final wild card, but that's a whole lot better than five and a half or whatever it was a few days ago. And they're three games under 500, but uh, they were 21 and 29 when they started the month. Now they're 26 and 29. Yeah, well, ten and a half games back still. Long, long way to go, but there's a long season to go, and at least now, there's some optimism, there's some hope, there's some energy. Um, you know, it's only a handful of games, but you know what? They won them, so that's the important thing. And uh, you know, sometimes the, a change in voice what doesn't make one a better baseball guy than the other. Thompson over Girardi, uh, different voice, different way of handling people. Um, who knows? Well, the one thing I see already just uh, is the energy. It looks like there's a lot more energy on the field and a lot more energy in the bullpen, um, even though Canable tried to scare us to death with oh, three, three ninth inning walks last night. But we did pull it out. Yeah, Canable has not been great lately. He was so good the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, the last several outings, his uh, ERA is over five. And, yeah, three walks in one inning. He missed badly on a couple of those pitches, but they did get it done. And, you know, I don't know how much difference the manager does make, but I don't think Girardi would have used Veerling as a pinch hitter there. I don't know that Girardi would have gone to Connor Brogdon in the eighth. It probably would have been Familia or, you know, one of his – guys that he goes to a lot more often but brogdon got the job done and certainly matt veerling came up huge so it was nice to see and i feel a whole lot better about this team than i did one week ago bill and i think you do too i mean you go from 21 and 29 to 26 and 29 and a couple of dramatic wins uh 26 runs and three wins over the angels over the weekend yeah things are looking up yeah and and i want to see how this plays out a little bit further because i think one of the things that in watching that bullpen chat that has bugged me all along is uh, other than Canable, I don't know that anybody had a spot. You know, we saw Brogdon a couple of days ago, uh, warms up twice and never comes in. 
And yeah. all, you know, you, these guys have to have a spot. They have to have confidence and the manager has to have confidence in them. You know, and is it, and, and Ruben Namaro was talking about that last night with Canable is that Rob Thompson says he wants to solidify him as the closer as they keep showing Sir Anthony Dominguez yeah. on the screen, uh, thinking that maybe he needs to be that guy. Uh, so we'll see. It's going to be Canable, but uh, I think until he fails, and then maybe it will be Sir Anthony after that. But um, I think these guys need to have spots, and they need to know that the manager and the pitching coach have confidence in them in those spots. Yeah, I agree, and I, I like what I'm seeing from a lot of the starters. That start last night by Suarez was huge because he had been struggling of late, getting you know five innings in, using up a lot of pitches. Last night he went, I think it was seven, and uh, his pitch count was still relatively low, only gave up two runs in those seven innings. And uh, Aaron Nola on the mound tonight. Nola's been a guy who's often looked great for five innings, and then all of a sudden he falls apart in the sixth. So let's hope that changes tonight. Uh, I'm excited about this team, and the schedule is kind of favorable after this Milwaukee series. They come back home, and they have a lot of winnable games, theoretically. You never know, but, I mean, a couple of series against Washington, the Marlins, who they always seem to have trouble with, but theoretically they should beat. So let's see if they can make up some ground between now and the 1st of July. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Maybe we'll have a summer uh, a little baseball fun after all. Hey, speaking of fun, I want to tell you right now about what's going on with Philly sports trips. They got all sorts of baseball trips coming up in the next few weeks and months. The trip to San Diego later this month is already sold out. People love to go to sunny Southern California, so I don't blame them. But there's a trip to Nationals Park coming up soon that is filling up rapidly, Vince tells us. Then there's the trip to Scotland for a little British Open action and then uh, the Dick Vermeil Hall of Fame trip in August. I will be there. Still haven't made my final arrangements, but I will definitely be there. And then we get into the football season, and uh, there, there are trips to every single Eagles away game. So check it all out, phillysportstrips.com. You can you know get your own transportation and meet up and just do the tailgates, or you can go with them on the plane or the bus or whatever be what might be check it out philly sportstrips.com it is a good time trust me hey chad i guess i wasn't paying close enough attention why aren't we going to scotland oh man you know i went to scotland <laughs> with my wife four years ago and it was a blast it is beautiful uh i'm not a huge golf fan but you know i would love to get over to, there to see that and uh heck just to see the sights in scotland again that would be fun yes it would hey uh speaking of fun delco day coming up we can't forget that Delco Day is this Saturday in Prospect Park, Delaware County. Uh, it's a benefit for our buddy Freddie Burns again. Uh, Freddie the Fourth is recovering, uh, doing good. You and I, Chet, will both be there. Yeah, I will actually see you in person. One of those uh, rare occasions that that happens, Bill. Uh, Freddie, a beneficiary, as is. Uh, the Headstrong Foundation, they have bands all afternoon and evening, Bill, 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. I hope the weather cooperates because a lot of it's going to be outside. Uh, the cover, I believe, is just $6.10. Get it? Six ten. the Delco area code. So uh, 7th Annual Delco Day. Hope you can be there. It is at Marty McGee's Prospect Park, and it is going to be a good time.
Hey, Chet, put that put that back up there a second. You know you're in Delco when you spell Saturday <laughs> with a D-E-E on the end. Saturday. Yeah. Saturday. Some water ice for everybody. Water <laughs> ice on Saturday. Oh, well, looking forward to seeing you, pal. A bunch of the Edge of Philly sports guys will be there as well. Uh, like I say, it's a benefit. All proceeds are going to uh, Freddie the Fourth. Is uh, the Burns family is get through this thing and things are getting better. So uh, for them, and looking forward to seeing you and seeing everybody there. Absolutely, going to be a good time. All right. Well, hey, we talked uh, Flyers last week, Jed, on the coaching situation. Still no change. Meantime, the Boston Bruins have fired their head coach, Bruce Cassidy, who's very successful, by the way. Uh, 16, 17 years in the organization, they cut him loose. Um, someone else that the Flyers might be be interviewing, but also now the Bruins might be interviewing some of them guys that the Flyers had been interviewing. Uh, maybe the Flyers guy's still in the playoffs. What do you think? Boy, I have no idea. And we're not even hearing a whole lot about it. So it's no. it's kind of strange. It's been several weeks now. The three T's are all still there. Uh, Trotz, Tortorella, and Tockett. Uh, there are also guys like Paul Maurice and Cassidy, as you mentioned, former Vegas coach Peter DeBoer, who was also let go. There are five teams besides the Flyers who need a head coach currently. So if the Flyers do want a particular guy, they better get moving. I saw Sam Carcini put this tweet out today, and this is bizarre. These are the odds, according to Bet Online, who the next Flyers coach might be. But I think it's bogus because look at the second guy, Mike Yo, who they already said is not coming back. So why is he even mentioned there? Tortorella, Tockett, Trotz, yeah. Jim Montgomery, uh, Gronberg, Paul Maurice, who I mentioned. As Sam said, the Yo line is puzzling. He did a nice job. I don't even know about that. When considering he was dealt a bad hand, but 100 to 1 is more accurate. Yo was not even going to be considered. If he is, Flyers are losing everybody. Mm. Well, it's time. You know, it's time to to make a move, and let's move on with it. All right, hey, on, Let's give a shout-out to all the shows at the Edge of Philly Sports Network this week. Wall-to-wall coverage, Chet. As always, the network is loaded up. You can catch all the action at www.eopsports as well as Edge of Philly Sports on YouTube. You can find our show on Philly Press Box Radio YouTube channel as well. Please help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, and like buttons. And as always, share with your family and friends. Monday, speaking of Flyers, the Broad Street Bully podcast. Tuesday, talking Philly sports with Matty B. Fighting's final post game every night. Matty B has been on there talking Phillies. Uh, great post game stuff going on with Matty. That's excellent. Wednesday night, of course, you have us early. Tonight, Kevin Stocker joining Al and Joey on the EOP Sports Network at 9 30. Saturday, breakfast with the boys, the Patterson Avenue Fanatics, 9 a.m. Get your coffee. And sit down and talk Philly sports. And Sunday, lacrosse, Philly and beyond. All across all the time. Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Check it all out. Like us or follow us. Edge of Philly Sports Network. We appreciate yeah. it. Mm-hmm. All right, Jack. Great guest tonight at Tom Moore and Dan Baker. We have a summer schedule change coming up next week. Don't want to forget that. And who's coming to Philly Press Box next week along with Dan Baker Part 2? Well, first of all, the schedule change, Bill. Uh, I have a prior commitment for Wednesday, so we are going to do our show next week, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Mark your calendars, Tuesday the 14th at 7 p.m. 
that goes for you too, Bill. Don't forget Tuesday, because right. <laughs> <laughs> I right. know you're a little discombobulated with all the traveling and everything. What day is it? Uh, yeah, in addition to Dan Baker Part 2, we are going to be joined by a guy who we had on with us, uh, I think it was in that dreadful year of 2020, and we first got to know this guy a little bit at about that time. He's part of the Edge of Philly Sports Network. It is our pal Joey Sheeran. They do their show, as you mentioned, Wednesday nights typically, so we're going to do a Tuesday show, and Joey's available, and we are going to have him on with us to talk about the Philly sports scene. Joey Delco, a.k.a. Joey Sheeran. Joey will be fired up, as he always is. Looking forward to that. Yep. For sure. All right, let's take another quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page, so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have small line rises that give you greater odds of winning. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And Chet, that brings us to our parting shots. And I know you have one. It's actually uh, the only hint you gave me is it is a little long. Yeah, well, yeah. I did mention something to do with Father's Day, too. Father's Day fast approaching. So here it is. It is self-explanatory, Bill. If I may borrow and rework a phrase from the most interesting man in the world, I don't often read books, but when I do, I prefer sports books. Yeah, and with Father's Day fast approaching, it is June 19th this year, I can heartily recommend a bunch of books that are perfectly suited for the Philadelphia sports fan. Bill Werndell has been covering the Philly sports scene for much of the past six decades. And about five years ago, he put out this book with help from our pal Joe Valley called No Curveballs. Great stories about Wilt, Dick Allen, Schmitty, Pete Rose, Howard Cosell, and much more. It is a great read. No Curveballs. Joe Valley also co-authored a book with Bill Simmons, a.k.a. El Wingador. Big Bill, a five-time Wing Bowl champion, but he's also battled and, frankly, still battles some personal demons. His story is right here in this book, Snow on the Barbed Wire. Very interesting. Former Sixers general manager Pat Williams, who helped the Orlando Magic then get into the NBA, visited with us a few years ago to talk about his amazing career and about his 2019 book called Character Carved in Stone. To be honest, I haven't read this one yet, but my radio partner Bill did, and he highly recommends it, Character Carved in Stone. There are a couple of books for major sports cities around the country called The Big 50. Well, there is one about our birds, The Big 50, the men and moments that made the Philadelphia Eagles, written by none other than Mark Eckel, who you know from his many visits to our program. 50 chapters, 50 stories, and each one of those stories, just four to eight pages each. That is my kind of book. Similar deal with this book for Flyers fans, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Philadelphia Flyers, written by frequent Philly Press Box radio guest Sam Carcitti, along with Wayne Fish. Great stuff about the Flyers from their inception to, well, just a couple of years ago when Carter Hart arrived on the scene. Speaking of great Flyers books, Sam helped Lou Nolan write a terrific one about five years ago, If These Walls Could Talk, Philadelphia Flyers. I somehow misplaced my physical copy, but I absolutely did buy and read that one. 
Lou, the Flyers PA man extraordinaire for the past 50 years, has some terrific stories about his time behind the mic. Now, I have not yet read this one, but I will. It just came out back in January and has been a huge hit for our pal Mike Sealski. It is The Rise, Kobe Bryant, and the Pursuit of Immortality. I do look forward to reading this one. And Bill and I can give a big thumbs up to this one. It is called Tackling Life by former Eagles special teams captain and our buddy. He's a super all-around guy. Kevin Riley, what a life story Kevin has. I can also recommend a couple of Philly sports-related books that are essentially lists with expanded pieces about those lists. The revised 2019 edition of The Great Book of Philadelphia Sports Lists by Glenn Macnow and the late great Big Daddy Graham. Lots of fun stuff in that one. And there's a book by Glenn Macnow and the newly retired Ray Dinger that you might want to pick up. It is also terrific. They put this one together back in 2009, the ultimate book of sports movies. How many have you seen on their list of 100? Hey, speaking of Ray Diddy, that is my final recommendation. It came out just about one year ago and coincidentally, almost a year ago to the day of Ray's final weekend show on WIP with Glenn Macnow. Finished business. It's basically Ray recapping his 50-plus years covering the Philly sports scene and all sorts of other terrific stories from Ray's youth, his annual visits to Eagles training camp where he befriended Tommy McDonald, and much, much more. If you haven't read this one yet, get to it. Oh, this has nothing to do with Philadelphia sports, but I spotted it on a desk here at the office the other day, and it looks like it could be fun. Richard Rattay, whoever that is, authored it. Don't make me pull over the informal history of the family road trip. Who hasn't had a parent who would occasionally yell that? I'm going to turn this car around. Don't make me pull over. Whatever. I digress. Lots of great books to consider for the Philly sports lover who just may want to sit down with a good book. Happy Father's Day, guys. Hey, good good stuff. Good list. I've, I've read many of them, and uh, there's a few others I'd like to like to read as well. Good stuff. Don't, don't make me pull over, Bill. No, no. I, I, I thought I was going to have to say that to Mary in the RV the other day as we were driving uh, hundreds of miles. Don't make me pull over now. And by the way, if you got a little extra money lying around, Bill, Ryan Howard Center City Condo is for sale, $5.9 million. Maybe if you and I go in together, we can uh, get this and rent it out to people. Yeah, we might get by the pillars or something. <laughs> I did notice that that uh, it's got windows all the way around, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, the full nice. floor. And you, you can, yeah, high uh, up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Wrap it all up, right. Bill. Let's wrap it up. Let's thank tonight's special guests, Tom Moore and Dan Baker, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoy the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Tuesday. Remember, it's Tuesday, June 14th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. I hope we had